This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Hey, everyone. Topic number three with Mr. Greg Dickerson, expert of the week. Monday kickoff is where's the boogeyman? What is out there that we need to be watching for that nobody is thinking about? I know where I'm thinking, but let's see what Greg's thinking. How you doing, man? Good, Michael. How are you today? I'm doing well. So what are you what are you looking at, given your your experience, you're doing deals? that maybe the average Joe investor, new investor isn't thinking about? Is, is there something that you're looking at that you don't think others are looking at? Well, you know, it's not that I don't think others are looking at it. I just think that I've got a very different perspective than a lot of people. Number one, I'm a developer. Okay. So a developer by trade has a very different outlook on things when it comes to risk, mm-hmm. calculating risk, um, accurately estimating risk, understanding risk and everything that can potentially go wrong in a deal project economy, whatever. So I've got a very different outlook. So a developer, you know, I'm looking at it from an investor standpoint, long-term, short-term risk profile. So what I think the assumption is now is interest rates are going to stay low forever, that funding is going to be freely available like it is. um, And that values are going to continue to go up exponentially and never come down. So what I see is, I see an environment very similar in terms of the uh, positivity and the speculative um, aspects of assets like we did in 2008 wow. So I see a very dangerous environment and mindset of values only go up, interest rates aren't going to change, and, um, you know, short-term interest rate, interest only, you know, those types of things on loans, deals, whether it's companies or it's real estate. So I think that's a very dangerous mindset to have versus my outlook, not only what can go wrong, what is going to go wrong, how am I wrong and what am I missing? That's how I approach every single um, decision that I make, whether it's a business, whether it's a real estate deal, whether it's an investment, doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. I just, I love how you broke that down. I'm going to have to watch that again. Uh, when I look at my little, you know, single family home market, the thing that I am looking at as the boogeyman is I think the Fed is wrong, right? The Fed has come out and maybe they knew they were wrong and they just wanted to smooth the environment. But this whole, we're not going to raise rates for three or four years. Um, I believe that's going to be proven wrong pretty spectacularly. Uh, I think there's a pretty good chance that 2021 is a good, if not great year for the U.S. economy. So we are going to be talking about Fed funds rates raising probably early 2022, which is, you know, by all, by all count, two or three years earlier than they've been talking. And the other thing, just to piggyback on what you're talking about, is I'm starting to see the same, I'm trying to see the early signs of a bubble brewing in one part of single family. Let me explain. FHA, the first time home buyer, is so dominant today that it, it, that balloon seems to be growing really, really fast. Um, not quite the same in, you know, above FHA limits, right? Because they have loan limits, right? So we are seeing appreciation in jumbos and things, but it's, it's remarkably different. So I am seeing the early signs of a bubble forming in what I guess I'll call affordable single family homes. Uh, mm-hmm. not, not quite as 
crazy as 08 yet, at least in my market, but the trend is um, alarming given my past experience. So those are my two things I'm looking at as potential surprises and will cause me to adjust my market. Because again, I see them and they're, they're out several quarters, but uh, that, that's a boogeyman that I don't think anybody's talking about. So you got a couple of different things there. So from a Fed standpoint and interest rate policy, so again, the assumptions that rates can't go up and they really kind of can't. So the Fed has tried to raise rates in the past and Fed rates are very different than mortgage rates, okay? Um, so they've tried to raise rates and every time they do, they get slapped down by Wall Street and uh, they get slapped down by you know people looking to purchase our debt, okay? And in order for the Fed to be able to issue debt and continue to fund, um, interest rates have to be low. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, there can be some somewhat of a spread. Now, here's the real question. Here's the real here's the real issue. If you're looking for a boogeyman is what happens when the rest of the world wakes up and says, wait a minute, if we stop buying U.S. treasuries until rates are pushed up mm -hmm. for our yield. OK, then what happens? Right. So these, you know, like China's already backed off a little bit and sold some of our treasuries. And again, it's a guaranteed thing because we can print as much money as we want to pay that interest payment. So if I have a printing machine of legal currency and I say, Michael, lend me, you know, a million dollars because you know I can keep printing that payment back to you and I can print your principal back at any point in time and it's still kind of work the same. You're going to take that, that deal all day long because you're getting that return on that investment. Well, at some point, the, these sovereign you know, nations and wealth funds start looking at us and looking at our debt and say, wait a minute, I want a little bit more return for that risk because mm -hmm. the United States is in a bubble, okay? So if I'm going to buy your debt and, and give you my money, um, I wanna make sure I get a little bit more for it. So they might start demanding a little bit more, which is going to increase the rate at which the treasuries are issued, which yeah. increases you know, interest rates. And mortgages, that's what they're based on. Mortgages are based on treasuries. Mm -hmm. So the boogeyman is for what you're talking about, the housing bubble is foreign nations, sovereign wealth funds, institutional investors, pension funds, life insurance companies that are buying our treasuries, buying our bonds are going to say, I want more for that risk. They're going to see it as more of a risk asset. That's going to drive rates up, which is going to affect values in housing. So again, the only reason housing values are where they are today is because of interest rate 2.75 you know my wife and i were talking about this yesterday she didn't even realize it you know 2.75 percent interest is about, about half of where it was you know three or four years ago typically the upper fours is a good rate yeah literally houses you can pay twice as much for a house now as you did back you know in you know four or five years ago three years ago because interest rates are about half of what they were totally agree. so it brings that, that's why the values have gone up, just like automobiles. You pay seventy-five dollars to $100,000 for an average pickup truck or an SUV now because you can finance them for six or seven years. That's the only reason. If our financing was three or four years, these vehicles would not be selling for as much as they are. Same thing with housing. So you're right. There is, there is a bubble there, but the thing is, is that people need somewhere to live. True. If you've locked in at a low interest rate, the chances of you you know, defaulting on that strategically because the value is dropping two or three or four years from now by 20 or 30% are pretty slim yeah. because you're not going to be able to replace that payment for the amount of house that you have, Very true. you know, so it's going to go the other way, you know, in terms of, you know, the cost to own that house, you might be able to get a little bigger house for the money, but the cost of that, that ownership is going to go up. So likely it, likelihood is you're going to stay where you're at. You're going to wait for this rate thing to balance out, but 
most of the smart money minds out there don't think that interest rates are going to are going to spike exponentially anytime soon just simply because the fed can't if they start raising rates everything tanks stock market real estate market everything so we're kind of stuck in this mode where you really can't raise rates you got to kind of keep printing money and as long as we have buyers for that debt which we will because a little little something's better than a lot of nothing um, <laughs> and they know that we can exponentially continue to print to service that debt um you know it's kind of what we've been experiencing the last, you know, what, 10 years since 2000, you know, nine, 11 years. Yeah. So I, again, I think, I think we're going to, we're going to find out. And I think it's going to be pretty soon. I think 15, 18 months out. Uh, I think we're going to have, I think what's really the boogeyman that kind of causes rates to rise is inflation, right? There's, there's been a debate about inflation deflation. I think as of this morning, I think deflation is off the table. Um, you know, I think, but inflation is still out there. And if the economy picks up, like I think, you know, if, if the U.S. prints a three or 4%, you know, GDP growth in 2021, that's, that's pretty significant. Um, you can't have real inflation at the consumer level, which is what inflation is, mm -hmm. until everybody has money in their pockets and they're yep. spending it. Yeah. All right. That's not happening and it's not going to happen. And it wasn't happening when the economy was booming. Remember, okay. pre-COVID, we were at the best best economy we'd ever had. And we still didn't have inflation. Okay. You only had it at the asset level. Mm. You didn't have it at the retail consumer level. Now, you know, people might argue with you on that because yeah, food's expensive right now, things like that, but it wasn't exponentially expensive where you had serious issues of inflation. It was just kind of relative to where, okay. to where we're at. Incomes haven't gone up, yep. um, you know, significantly. So you're not seeing bidding wars, you know, for labor, you're not seeing bidding wars, you know, for, for a lot of different things and prices exponentially growing, even in housing, you've got bidding wars, but people put a, they put a ceiling on it. Yeah. They're not paying whatever, you know, some, some properties are still sitting when they're priced inappropriately. So the only way you can get real inflation because we're a consumer driven economy is that everybody has to have more money in their pocket. Hmm. So not only do you need to get the economy up and running and back open again, you have to replace all that lost liquidity. You got, you got to remember, there's a ton of liquidity that the average American has lost. True. They had to close their business, lost their job, or or have gone through savings that were affected. Now that's probably 30, 40, 30 to 35% of the population out there. There was still a big group of people that were not affected by any of this mm -hmm. and, and aren't going to be affected by any of this, but there's a big chunk of it that was. Yeah. The other thing that drives inflation is people being able to borrow money to then spend. Okay, that's what drove inflation pre 2008 9 because you know anybody could go get a line of credit on anything yeah. and then they would go out and buy that new car, buy that you know vacation, just do whatever. All right, you can't do that anymore. Remember, you got to qualify for a loan, you have to have good credit, you got to have reserves, you got to have cash. Savings rates are up, spending is down. Yeah, that has to flip. And the only way that flips is if people get all kinds of money added back to their pocket. That's not going to happen if your taxes go up. It's not going to happen. And taxes have to go up. Yeah, you know, yeah, for sure. They will. So, you know, there's a lot of things that have to happen in order to create inflation. And that's the big problem the Fed has right now is they can't create inflation. Hmm. It's going to be fun, they man. They can't do it. Yeah, it's it's uh, this is going to be fun to watch again. I, I, today's an interesting day because, again, we have a light. We don't know how far it is, but it is a light. It's it's. I'm thankful for it, right? Science wins. I think hope beats fear again, uh, which 
you know, my experience always does, but there's yeah. not a lot of people preaching fear, 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 depression, 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 you know, depression 2.0. Uh, I've never seen it. And, and now I can, I can firmly say that's, that's off the table. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the coronavirus is still out there. It's at large. So the double dip recession, you know, it's yeah. again, it's a coronavirus recession. It's not a real recession. Um, you know, as soon as we get that fixed, we can turn the light switch on and people can get back to work and stuff can start opening. It's going to take some time to ramp it up and to get it going again. And people have to replace, you know, that, that lost liquidity and reserves, but yeah, you know, you know, huge, huge issues at mass. You still with me? Yep. I had a call come in, but I had it, I had it blocked. Um, so yeah, I don't see depression. I don't see serious recessionary issues. Assuming we can get the coronavirus under control. That's the big caveat. Sure. Can, can we get that under control? But we've, we've been through the worst of it. We've gotten to where we've gotten to. We know we know how to control it. And we survived at scale, lockdown at scale, uh, and still made it through. Yeah. Um, and the government knows what it needs to do to fix that. If that happens again, you got to start writing people checks and replacing that lost liquidity. Totally agree. Well, this has been a lot of fun today. I appreciate you giving us some time when you're out looking at deals. Thanks, man. Yeah, man. Good to talk to you. Thank you.